Here's an oldie of mine. This is inspired by a Jimmy Rogers song, as in the singing Breakman. It's called Where They Never Say Your Name. There is a push and pull with antiquity. On one hand, its culture can be perceived as irrelevant, old-fashioned. On the other, it has a kind of lasting allure of a simpler time, a time that can make a lot more sense than the current day. Have you ever felt like you were born in the wrong era, like you would fit in much better a century ago, perhaps? You're not alone. Many people fall somewhere in a spectrum, ranging from having a taste for vintage clothing or collecting 78s, all the way to emulating a frontier lifestyle or going off the grid. Lots of people think they were born too late or would have felt more at home in a previous time, like novelist Elizabeth McCracken or music artist Bjork have both said in interviews. Add to that list Elin Jewell. I have kind of always felt like I was born in the wrong era, like a, maybe I was born a little too late. Um, I have watched a lot of black and white movies and felt really inspired by them. Most of the music that I love starts with the word early, so like early blues, early country, early rock and roll, you know. She has been dubbed the queen of the minor key, and her love of blues music and themes of heartbreak in her songs are part of that. But more recently, that minor key feel went beyond her music and overwhelmed her day to day. A tough time that she talked about in our interview at the Albino Skunk Music Festival in May 2023, where she performed the song you're hearing now. Much of the adversity and life lessons she took from this challenging chapter in her life are chronicled on her new album, Get Behind the Wheel, her first involving an outside producer, Will Kimbrough. And we touch on that as well as her love of Loretta Lynn, how she took her dad's record collection as a kid, which transported her to a past filled with artists like Mississippi John Hurt that continue to inspire her today, and how her young daughter has picked up playing the guitar without learning, as Elin says, all her own bad habits on the instrument. All that and more, including more music from Elon Jewell coming up. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, and this is our episode on Elon Jewell on Southern Songs and Stories.
Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. It was a warm and picturesque spring day in the South Carolina countryside, just outside of the city of Greer, on the grounds of the Albano Skunk Music Festival which got its name from some white skunks that were on the property, land which used to be a working farm. Now a largely wooded little valley of 20-plus acres with one stage and many vintage RVs and campers that have been repurposed as a green room, accommodations, even storage, as well as a 1951 GMC bus that was originally owned and operated by Greyhound, which still runs and occasionally travels to other festivals. I sat with Elon Jewell at the building dubbed the Nap Shack on the hillside behind the stage. This is where I interviewed Daryl Scott in 2022 and where I talked with Miko Marks and Jake Xerxes Fussell this year as well, who will have their own episodes coming up. Elon had two sets that afternoon, and we spoke in between her performances. I'd like to talk about the aesthetic of your music and how you have that elegance, but it's also got some sharp edges to it and your songs a lot of times to me they they have the kind of a feel of scenes vignettes from an old black and white movie Uh, tell tell us about where all that's coming from if you could well I have kind of always felt like I was born in the wrong era like maybe I was born a little too late um I have watched a lot of black and white movies and felt really inspired by them. Um, Most of the music that I love starts with the word early, so like early blues, early country, um, early rock and roll, you know. So, um, yeah, and I guess when I write songs, I tend to think of them as like like scenes like from a movie. I write in a kind of cinematic way. I picture things in my head and I, I want to like put those scenes, those like complete pictures down into words. So if that comes across, that's good. Cause that's kind of what I, what I, where I'm coming from. Can you comment on minor key songs? What can make minor key songs so distinct and have that sort of dark appeal? Boy, um, It's really tough to put your finger on that. I mean, really, it's just the difference between a half step. I mean, a C major 
is C, E, and G, and, and C minor is C, and then an E flat and G. So it's like there's something about just taking that middle uh, interval just down one half step, and it just changes everything. It makes it, um, there's like a mysterious sound. There's the quality of it that to me sounds wild. And like most of my favorite um, early country songs are in minor keys, like um, Ramblin' Man, for example, by by Hank Williams. You know, it's like he didn't have a lot of he didn't have a lot of minor key songs, but that one is one of them. And it's just when the first time I heard it, I was just haunted by it. Usually, when you think of something that's haunting, it's a minor key. It's just the magic of music, man. It's like this mystery. Let's talk about Get Behind the Wheel. So your ninth studio record, a lot of mention of a more psychedelic approach on some of the music on this record and and the cinematic arrangements and that sort of thing. So how different is this record for you? Um, I don't think it's like a stark departure. Um, I think it's in a way it's like the culmination of the other albums. So it's maybe like what the other albums have been leading up to, um, but different from them in the sense that um, it kind of transcends them all. And yeah, it is It is sort of psychedelic. I, uh, while we were making the record, I, I was like leaning kind of, not heavily, but like um, pretty significantly on psychedelics for inspiration because um, I'd been going through a lot of personal difficulties and struggles and some depression and anxiety and um, was really not having any luck with like pharmaceutical help so I I was trying I was like microdosing some psilocybin and um, and realizing that there's for me for my brain chemistry that was like a pretty amazing way to go and as opposed to the pharmaceutical route so um you know, mind altering and expanding, but not, um, but not like in some like, you know, 90 degree turn kind of way. It's just where kind of where I've been heading, but also like helping me get there, um, without, uh, yeah, I, I mean, kind of taking what I've been working on and also what I've been suffering from the past couple years with my life being so difficult, and uh, but helping me kind of transcend all of that. What can we take away from that? What can you help us to learn from that difficult time? Well, I think um, I was trying to get at it in the last song on the album. The last song is called "The Bitter End," and I was I was trying to talk about it. Um, um, this is where you have to start. Oh, you crazy, crazy heart! You have to break before you can bend you have to start at the bitter end you know it's like you have to start in the from the ashes from the dirt from the wound from the hurt you have to break before you can bend um you have to i mean suffering is inevitable you know in our lives it's part of the human condition and we have to learn how to um i don't know using it sounds so uh, I don't know that that doesn't that's not quite the right word but like um, people talk about going through it um, 
but for, to me it's like it's almost like you have to learn how to welcome all of it um you don't you don't really like uh use your suffering and pain to to create happiness I, I mean i haven't had any luck with that anyway but you <laughs> there's something really empowering in accepting all of it sometimes there's joy and sometimes there's pain and sometimes there's anxiety and sometimes there's ease and if you can learn how to accept it all with like a grateful heart then that's to me that's like the essence of the meaning of life you know um yeah that's that's what i was getting at through the pretty much the whole album is um it's a it's a twisted and difficult world that we live in and being human is super hard but if we can figure out how to do that then we've really got something it's true being human is hard but i think it's another level of difficulty to do what you're doing and to have all of this the difficulty you went through going through a divorce and and having life turn upside down do you ever wish that it wouldn't be so public like you didn't have to really share that (laughs) well I brought that on myself um there are moments yeah totally where I think oh no what have I gotten myself into um because you know I I I wanted this album I wanted to talk about this album in a different way from the other albums because it it really was a, a, a totally different time in my life than all the other times I've made albums um yeah, with the divorce, with um, I've I've had like multiple personal losses that were really heavy, um, deaths in the family, people close to me, the pandemic, not knowing if my band was gonna be able to still play together, and all that uncertainty, all that grief, and um, yeah, it's just it's like I thought, well, here's a way, here's a way to connect with people. I can. I can be honest, I can level with them and say, this is what I have actually been going through. Um, and this is what the songs came out of. Uh, or I could not do that. I could I could dodge it and I could just be like, oh, I don't know, these are some songs I just made. <laughs> they're, they're like, I thought it would be fun to write about these topics. Or, um, so, but I just thought, well, you know, I'm going to do the more honest thing. I'm going to say where these are actually coming from and just kind of try to accept the fact that it's going to be harder to talk about because it is more, you know, I'm, I'm a really kind of introverted person and I'm shy by nature. And um, so to talk about these kind of more personal things, it's new to me and it is harder. And um, yeah, I totally regret it sometimes. <laughs> but I think it's, I think in the end, uh, what I'm learning is that I would rather talk about things that are real to me, that are like, really up and where my mind has really been then um try to keep kind of a a thick skin and try to keep people at arm's length even though it'll mean talking to total strangers about things that are really personal and deep for me it's like i think i think that's a good trade-off i think i'd rather just talk about the real stuff Oh, you crazy, crazy.
Bitter End by Elin Jewell from her new album, Get Behind the Wheel, a song which she referenced in our conversation. As Esther Rose prepared to play her set on the Albino Skunk stage, we talked about the covers Elin played in her first set, which included music from Loretta Lynn and Bessie Smith. I asked her about the artists she admires who came before her. So Loretta Lynn is a huge influence on me. I think, um, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm pretty shy, so... I really like Loretta Lynn's um, public persona, like her, her her stage presence and also just like who she seems to be through her songs. Um, she's sassy and she's fun. She has like a great sense of humor and she sings like, I mean, she sings her ass off. She sings unlike anybody else. And uh, But it's also, there's a purity to her voice and I wouldn't say that I've been trying to mimic her, but I've, I've really kind of leaned heavily on her, um, her legacy as a woman in Americana, you know, slash country music and 
um, just knowing that she came before me and she she faced a lot of the same barriers that I face now, but you know, times a hundred probably, exponentially more. Um, coming up in the '60s in the South, you know, for example, would just be its own set of uh, difficulties and. And she overcame them all, and she, you know, she overcame poverty, and she was married at 13, and I think she was a mother for the first time at 15, and just unbelievable life. And I start to complain about my, I don't know, my circumstances, and I think, well, <laughs> at least I'm not 20 years old with six kids already. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the, one of the most unlikely success stories. Yeah, truly. Just for that fact mm-hmm. of having been a young mother and then somehow it all comes together. It's amazing. I know, yeah. And it wasn't the traje- trajectory that she had initially envisioned for herself. She just, I don't even know if she had much of a plan. She was just like, this guy came to town and I'm going to marry him and we're going to have a bunch of kids. And they moved to Washington State and, yeah, and just she just started singing songs and people loved it so it's um yeah she's kind of a beacon for me but she's not the only one you know um Bessie Smith also I've I've uh, been loving her since even before Loretta Lynn um the blues music like that genre especially you know early blues music um has just been important to me because um when I was really young I discovered my dad's record collection in the garage and he had a lot of uh blues artists like Helen Wolf and Mississippi John Hurt and I stole them all and I still <laughs> I still have them all and um listening to them at such a formative age I, you know I just heard these things I just it was like it it was an education every song was an education in and of itself you know um Candyman by Mississippi John Hurt like I heard it and it was I just knew as I was listening to it that I wasn't going to be the same at the end of the song, it, it changed me so much. And yeah, Helen Wolf, and he had a lot of early Bob Dylan records on, in there. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be the same person if if my dad hadn't had that record collection and if he hadn't hidden it away. That was important too because I it was like it felt like dug up treasure, you know. How did he react to you taking his records? Um, he was he was pretty apathetic, if I remember correctly, because at that point we didn't have a functioning turntable. This would have been the early 90s, and turntables were out, you know, CDs were in. And I, I didn't really know other kids who were checking out vinyl at the time, but I found... Um, it was like my own little special journey. <laughs> I found a, um, a portable turntable at a yard sale and I bought it for like a couple bucks. And I set that up in my room and I just had my own little world of like Howlin' Wolf and Bob Dylan and Mississippi, Mississippi John Hurt and um, just, yeah, su- such great stuff. That's uh, like the portal and, to Narnia. Yeah, that's exactly. That's a great way to describe it. it, it me and my 15 year old self and my <laughs> portal to Narnia. And I didn't have to think about anything that was going on in, you know, junior high at the time. So, yeah. What's an old record that we really need to get turned on to? Oh, boy. I mean, geez, there's so many. Um, Well, Frankie Lee Sims, not a lot of people know about him. But everything that I've heard of his, I've loved. 
Um, little Walter, the same. Um, you said one, but I, here I go listing. Uh, <laughs> Howlin' Wolf on Chess Records. Howlin' Wolf on Sun Records. All the Howlin' Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 He had swagger, shall we say. Oh, yeah. I think he kind of invented it. And at least in my mind, he did. <laughs> this is the most banned song ever in the history of all the songs that have been banned from radio. Um, people were mad when this song came out, and I think they're still mad when they hear it. You might be mad when you hear it, too, but that's just how it goes sometimes. We make each other mad sometimes. I just, I love this song. So we're going to hopefully release it soon. We're going to um, re-release an album that we did years ago called Butcher Holler. It's all Loretta Lynn songs. We want to put this one on there. So be on the lookout for that. This is called The Pill. One, two, one, two, three, four. You wind me, dined me when I was your girl. Promised if I'd be your wife, you'd show me the world. But all I've seen of this old world is a bed and a doctor bill. I'm tearing down your brooder hat Cause now I've got the pill All these years I've stayed at home While you had all your fun Every year that's gone by Another baby's come But there's gonna be some changes Made right here on Nursery Hill You said this chicken That's a bit of Elin Jewell's version of the song that would eventually become one of Loretta Lynn's biggest hits. Recorded in 1972, the year that the U.S. Supreme Court made birth control legal for everyone regardless of whether they were married or not, the pill was finally released in 1975. Her record label must have known that it would join the ranks of other Loretta Lynn songs that had been banned from the radio, including the smash hits Fist City and Rated X, among many others, Likely, there were nine in her career. And banned it was, adding to a fairly long list of songs recorded by female country artists that were banned from being played on the radio, like the Kitty Wells song It Wasn't God Who Made Honky Tonk Angels and Jeannie C. Riley's Harper Valley PTA. By the way, there were about five country songs by male artists banned from the radio in the entirety of the 20th century. 
Eventually, our conversation turned to what Elin had planned after she wrapped up her tour. I am going to sleep. <laughs> I'm going to sleep in, and I would love to go on vacation with my daughter. Um, we've never really had a vacation, just the two of us, and something, I don't know, something relaxing for a little bit, something involving bathing suits, you know, a pool or a sandy beach or something, and she and I both really like to read, so good books for each of us, and yeah, that's, I'm trying to get that going on. Does she play music? She is just starting to learn the guitar, and I, I decided that I would not be her teacher because um, I, I don't, I don't want her to like learn my bad habits, and um, so we, yeah, we, I found a teacher for her. And we're gonna see, we're gonna see how it works, you know. Like, so far, she's learned um, the E minor chord, and I, I just love that her first chord is a, is a minor one. <laughs> but Elon, I can't imagine you having bad habits on the guitar. It's not really oh, visible if, as far as where I'm coming from. Oh, well, that's sweet. No, I'm, I'm self-taught. So I, I learned from a library book actually, <clears throat> and I just was going off of. Um, the dots on a page there's like these little graphs above each chord change and i realized oh i think those are that's where my fingers are supposed to be but i um since i didn't since i was teaching myself i um i i i phrase chords all wrong and uh, if you ask jerry miller he would agree with me he's like what i've never seen anyone <laughs> do a a d like that or an f like that so um I thought, well, maybe I'll give my daughter just a little bit of a leg up and uh, see what a real teacher can do for her. So, of course, this is the way you would learn to play because you're just a kindred spirit with all of these proto-rock and roll, all these early blues artists and people that learned to play with whatever they had. They strung wire on the wall and learned to mm. play that or however it worked because there's a, you know, a treasure trove of stories of how artists that didn't have anything couldn't afford a guitar whatever and they still learned right. how to play yeah that's true yeah they didn't they didn't have formal lessons in um yeah in like the deep south in the 30s for example but yeah um but yeah they had teachers though and i i guess that's one thing that i you know like robert johnson learned from somebody and um and I, I just kind of think like, wow, if, if you could just find the right teacher, yeah, the, the world would be, all the, all the doors would just uh, be unlocked for you. And so we'll see if that happens with, with my daughter. But if not, she's got, she's got her mom to teach her the chords in the wrong way. And, it, you know, at least <laughs> it's serviceable the way I do them. It's worked out so far. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's been all right. And then, you know, if, if like amazing like shredding leads on the guitar isn't your thing you can always find someone else to do it <laughs> play guitar be your lead guitarist and and not that it, there's no other jerry miller but you could find someone to play guitar elon joel here on southern songs and stories it's so great to talk to you thanks best wishes thank you you too we've actually never performed this in front of an audience before this is world history in the making never performed it before so uh 
So be nice. We're just, we're testing it out. We thought you seemed really kind, so good welcoming audience for new stuff. From the, the brand new album, Get Behind the Wheel, this is called Alive. Wrapping up this episode with Alive by Elon Jewell, with Jerry Miller on guitar, Matt Murphy on bass, and Jason Beek on drums. Performed live at the Albino Skunk Music Festival on May 13th, 2023. That's our show. Thanks for listening. We are so grateful when you tell someone about this series. And it is easy to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, where it will only take a minute to give us a good rating and where it is an option, a review. This series is part of the lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, where we worked with Joshua Ming, who wrote and performed our theme songs. Thanks also to Charles Wiggins at the Isothermal Community College Library for pointing me to examples where people talked about feeling like they were born too late. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. <laughs>